Brooks. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now, with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. An unholy war has erupted as many Republicans have ripped Joe Biden and his administration for funding atheism. Republican members of Congress have launched a challenge to Joe Biden's decision to use taxpayers' money to promote the religion of atheism. Fifteen GOP members wrote Mr. Biden and Secretary of State Antony Blinken recently about a State Department program implemented last year that would award grants as up to $500,000 to organizations committed to the practice and spread of atheism and humanism. And those were mainly in South Central Asia and in the Middle East and North Africa. The members of Congress said, to be clear, atheism and humanism are official belief systems. In other words, they are a religion and as much as any other group. They said it is one thing for the department to be tolerant and respectful of a wide range of belief systems and to encourage governments to respect the religious freedom interests of their citizens. It is quite another for the United States government to work actively to empower atheists and humanists. Such a program is clearly unconstitutional. Welcome to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms And on the other side of the ledger is Representative Myra Flores. Representative Maya Flores, whose political Cinderella story made her the first Mexican-born woman to serve in Congress, isn't feeling any love from the political left. In fact, Flores ran on a conservative platform of God, family, and country in a special election to flip Texas's 34th congressional district read for the first time in more than a century. However, on July 6th, the New York Times labeled her as far right. Now, what was it about her that was far right? No, they are actually far left, and she has maintained the righteous center. But in order to understand that, we have to understand heritage. We have to understand heritage because heritage is at the root of our hope in America. And that's what we want to focus on here today on Viewpoint, heritage and hope. Well, Representative Flores has brushed off the criticism and is sticking to her platform where she openly says, here's here's her campaign motto, make America godly again. Not to make America great again, that's up to God. Make America godly again, that's up to us. She got it right. She said her faith became the driving force behind her decision to run for Congress, although she had little political experience. Flores said, I feel our values are being lost, so for me, 
It was really about God. She wants to take Jesus to Congress and believes that people need to stand up and not fear criticism for their faith. She says, we're in such a mess because we have put God aside. Well, isn't it interesting that this very week, in the world of track and field, Sidney McLaughlin, one of the most famous of all runners, who in one week's time set three new world records, came clean and clear. She does it for God. She runs for God. Like Eric Little in the film Chariots of Fire, she says, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his glory. So here is Representative Flores, Maya Flores, there, a uh, Latino in Texas who has done something that seemed to be impossible, a David and Goliath situation, winning an election in a district that has never in a hundred years voted for a Republican, certainly not one who said it's time to make America godly again. And that's exactly what Sidney McLaughlin is saying. And here Sidney is black. And she doesn't hesitate. She's not commiserating and lamenting about her color. No, she's actually deciding she's going to make track and field great again by making it godly again. How? By being a godly representative in the field and doing her best for the glory of the Lord. Well, Representative Flores' celebrity status as a Latino Republican has Democrats pushing back and vowing to put the muscle of their political machine to work into flipping the seat back to blue again. So the war is on. The war is not just Republicans, an unholy war of Republicans in Congress against Joe Biden and his administration for promoting the religion of atheism and humanism. No. Here we have the direct, out-front, outrageous, and egregious effort to put down a woman who is running on a platform of right ways, righteousness. And as the Scripture says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. So why is it that the entire Democrat Party is coming against Representative Flores, who is representing God and what he stands for and his viewpoint in the Scriptures? Why would they do that? Because they don't like it. They don't like God. They tried to remove God from their platform for the past 12 years. From the beginning... Representative Flores, Maya Flores, turned to her pastor, Luis Cabrera, there in in Texas. And so Cabrera, her pastor, who has been preaching that the United States needs to be godly again, was happy that Flores carried the mantle into her campaign. Throughout her campaign, people tried to talk her out of using God in her platform. But she stood Firm. She was courageous. She wasn't fearful. She wasn't mean-spirited. She wasn't antagonistic, but she stood firm. 
Cabrera, who passed her, said the crowning moment of his venture into politics was when he stood on the stage when Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi swore Maya Flores in as Congresswoman. He said, I shook Pelosi's hand and said, Madam Speaker, we're going to take this country back for God. He said her reaction was priceless, and she didn't know what to say. Well, of course she didn't know what to say, because all of her efforts are quite the contrary. And so, there is an unholy war going on. The question is, where is the hope? The hope is in our heritage, if we can understand it and seize it in a righteous way. That's what we're going to talk about here today on YouTube. Real message of true hope. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Heritage and hope. I remember vividly the psalmist David saying, truly we have a goodly heritage. A goodly heritage because we have a godly heritage. Many people debunk that idea in the United States of America because Americans have not always been godly. In fact, the great themes of the United States of America have weighed the pursuit of gold against the pursuit of God. In Virginia, gold tended to take over. In Massachusetts, God tended to take over, and that's why the Thanksgiving that took place in Massachusetts has always predominated over the first Thanksgiving that took place at Berkeley 100 in Virginia. So this has always been the case. There has always been a tension between God and gold between God and country. So how do we resolve this tension? How do we deal with it? The problem is, as human beings, we tend to swing on a pendulum. We're either way over on one side or way over on the other side. Maybe where we need to be is a hardcore both-and sometimes. And that's oftentimes what we try to bring across on this program, and it causes confusion to, to a lot of people because they're so used to being totally and intentionally polarized for the purpose of raising money for their team. We're not about raising money for anybody's team here. Have you noticed that? We're not trying to raise money for anybody's team. When we ask for you to become a partner, we're asking for you to become a partner with the message that we're bringing. If you agree with the message and you find it Uh, to be consistent with God's plan and purpose for our country and for your family and for the church and for our times, then you will support. If you don't, you won't. It's as simple as that. Don't put any pressure on you. We're not promising you any goodies in order to uh, win your support. You're either 
moved by your heart to support and become part of what we're doing or not. It's quite simple. And we leave the decision to God to move upon the hearts of his people. So this matter of heritage has everything to do with it. And the reality is that heritage is woven throughout our entire history. It is our history. And the thread that comprises the fabric of our lives as Americans, both as individuals and as a country, forms our viewpoints, it frames our values, it focuses our voices in response to the issues of our time that we're dealing with every single day. So if we were to try to break down America's heritage, we need to be very honest about it and not just say blithely, America is a Christian nation. We need to understand a little bit more about what that might mean and why we might say that. And not just blandly and and uh, boldly declare America is a Christian nation, because in many respects it is not. In fact, in many respects, just because you are in this nation might mean that it's less Christian than it would otherwise be if somebody else was in the nation, right? Because we're all different, we're all sinners, and none of us is perfect, even though we're called by God to be perfect, even as our Father in Heaven is perfect. So America's heritage is a composite of the viewpoints, the values, and the voices of our past that have defined our path through nearly a little over 400 years, actually. Yet it has always declared our promise and purpose for the future. And that's why, as we talk today about heritage and hope, we can joyfully and honestly say that hope is rooted in heritage, in our heritage here. But we need to understand why that is and why it is that hope seems to be waning very, very rapidly. Now, if you and I fail to remember this matter of our heritage, that how important it is, Heritage, it, it, it becomes like a, like a monument to the past to be remembered for the future. That's what a heritage is. But if we fail to remember, then what we do, we risk falling into a historical trap that has been said so often, the only thing we learn from history is we don't learn from history. So the result is our hope for the future hinges significantly to our heritage. So let me ask you a question. Should America be preserved? Let's suppose your answer is quickly yes. The next question is why? For what reason? See, we have to be able to explain these things clearly. And that's why my very first book was called Preserve Us a Nation. It was taken, the title was taken from Francis Scott Key's National Anthem. Oh, thus be it ere when free men shall stand between our loved homes and the war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that hath 
made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must, when our cause it is just, and this be our motto in God is our trust. That's where we got our national motto. Did you know that? Right from our national anthem, the second stanza. Then the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave. That second stanza is the most important stanza in our national anthem and is almost never sung. So why should America be preserved? Well, <clears throat> it requires more than just some simplistic patriotic answer. There has to be a purpose, there has to be a principle behind our so-called patriotism. But if our founding purpose and principle are buried in the dustbin of history, forgotten, even denied by subsequent generations, do we have a continuing reason to exist? Do we have a raison d'etre, a reason for being? Recently, in fact, this very day, I had an opportunity to talk with a gentleman who was on the edge of retirement. I had never seen him before. I just stopped and talked with him. And uh, we had a nice little quick conversation. And he said, yeah, I've been toying with this idea of retirement now for a number of years. And uh, he said, I thought it was going to be three years down the road, and now it's been four and a half years. And I, he said, I got to thinking, well, what if I drop out of the business that I've been in? Then what? Then what am I going to do? I said, that's the problem, isn't it? Because retirement itself is not a bed of roses. In fact, many a man has lost his purpose, his hope for the future, by retiring. His life just got washed up. He had no reason for being, no raison d'etre. And when I said that, this man uh, leaned in and he said, you know what, that's exactly how I feel. I have to have an ongoing reason to get up in the morning. I have to have a reason to be. Something to do that makes a difference. How about you? When you get up in the morning, do you have that sense of a reason other than just going to work? Is there a bigger purpose? Are you like uh, Myra Flores running for Congress who said, I'm not about making America great again. I want to make America godly again. And that was her purpose. It was framed in the motto of her campaign. Very clearly, make America godly again. But then again, we have to ask the question, what does that mean? Does that mean people fighting back to church? Well, they did that in 1993, 1992, 93, right after Gulf War I. They flooded back to church. Even Time Magazine made a big deal of it with a feature article on the cover. But they said, America will never again be the same, even though people were flooding back to church. Now, you might think that when they said America would never again be the same, they that was a positive thing. No, it was not a positive thing because they said what is really happening is people are flooding back to church because they're afraid 
but they are worshiping and raising up a custom-made God, one made in their own image. So in other words, they cast away their godly heritage and are creating an idolatrous heritage. And then patting themselves on the back and being gleeful, I'm going back to church. Now, you may think that this is making too much ado about what you might think is nothing. But actually, what we're talking about here today is at the very root of why we're having the problems that we're having and why we have seen the deterioration since the uh, late 1950s in our country. Yes, since the late 1950s. We've been watching it. I've lived all that time and watched it right in front of my eyes, even as a child. You remember a fellow by the name of Patrick Henry? He's that stirring voice of the American Revolution, give me liberty or give me death. But he also said this, I know of no way of judging the future but by the past. The past not only judges the future, but it also gives purpose to the future. So the real challenge for you and for me is whether we can glean from our past what is worthy of forming and informing our future. (coughs) So can we find hope in our heritage? That's the question. So then we have to ask the question, well, what is America? From what seed was she conceived? What events caused the seed to become fertilized? What womb of purpose prospered her birth when she was born? The answer to these questions depends, well, again, on our viewpoint. And viewpoint, our viewpoint right now is, has, and will continue to determine our nation's destiny. So, for historic purposes then, America is shall we say, twofold, to make it simple. Just as we all have one head but two eyes, so America has two primary windows through which her history and heritage can be most accurately viewed. Those two windows are political and spiritual or religious. So here's another question then. Did the political existence of America proceed from the spiritual Or did the spiritual issue out of the political? We have to answer questions like this with integrity. If we have any hope of identifying where our hope, if any, lies in our heritage. So let's summarize it. The reality is it was the spiritual that produced the political especially in the Massachusetts Bay Colony and among the pilgrims, the pilgrims of the Puritans. But throughout world history, religion and politics have always found themselves entangled, and not always by intent, by the way, but it just happens because it's part of the very nature of our life together as humans. We can't sever matters of faith from those of government, no matter what the Supreme Court in 1947 tried to tell us. They made it up out of whole cloth, just like they made up Roe versus Wade out of whole cloth. 
There was no legal foundation for that. All there was was a letter that Thomas Jefferson had written to the Danbury Baptists had nothing to do with the Constitution per se. Now, we want to move forward with this because what we're dealing with here is something of such monumental proportion for us all. Let's suppose now that Maya Flores there, who just won this congressional seat against all odds, saying her intent is to make America godly again, how would she expect to do that? What does she depend upon to make that happen? And do you and I play any part in it? But when hope is taken away from a people, moral degeneration follows swiftly. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Everybody's talking about DNA this and DNA that. Well, here's another question. What was the DNA of the seed of America? When was the nation conceived? When was she born? And to what DNA would that seed resemble? Because, you see, conception always precedes birth. So if we cannot identify the seed and the DNA, we're going to have a a terrible time trying to make America godly again because we have no foundation for believing she ever was. And why? So if the seed of the nation is primarily political, then our primary reason for serving becomes the perpetuation of political freedom. Now, if on the other hand, the seed of our country, was primarily spiritual. Then our primary reason to preserve us as a nation has to lie in fulfilling some spiritual calling or purpose. And friends, that's precisely why I wrote the book, Renewing the Soul of America. Renewing the Soul of America. You know why 38 national Christian leaders endorsed this book? because it was unlike any other book that had been written in our generation concerning our country and the hope for the future. And they saw it that way. 38 national Christian leaders. Unbelievable. And I want to make the book available to you, because it's going to give you hope for the future. A real kind of hope. Not a phony hope. Not a bootstrapped hope. 
but a hope that's rooted in purpose and calling and our DNA as a people. That's our only hope, to fulfill Maya Flora's intention to make America godly again. Would that be your intention, by the way? Or do you think that's beyond possibility? People have asked me so many times over the past 10, 15 years, Chuck, do you think there's any hope for America? Do you think we can, America can be saved? My answer is no. Not if we continue on the way that we are. Only by God's intervention through mercy and terrifying conviction by the Holy Spirit can that be brought about. I maintain that today. And I believe that that is foundational to what Maya Flores would declare. You can't bootstrap yourself into making America godly again. Because godliness has to do with our lives. It doesn't have to do with a vote, per se. It has to do with our lives. That's why we are said, told, uh, said that we get the leadership we deserve. In other words, we vote for the people that are like us or that we like. So, don't complain. The nation votes for who they like. You want ungodly people, you vote for ungodly people. You want godly people, then you will vote for godly people. Is anybody perfectly godly? No. So then you have to be very careful in discernment. You have to make sure that there's a consistency in the message of the person. Not necessarily in the historical past of the person, but in the recent, say within the past five, ten years. Where is the person's heart now? And we find out where a person's heart is, don't we? By seeing what they do. Your actions speak so loud, I cannot hear what you say. That's how we discern. So what we're looking at here is of momentous significance for our country and for you, for your family, for our children, our grandchildren, for your congregation, and for the world, actually. We talk a lot about the culture wars, the culture war battles. Believe it or not, they're not the real battles. They're symptomatic skirmishes, friends, on a much, much bigger winner-take-all battlefield for a spiritual versus secular heritage for America. That's what it is. And our hope lies in the balance. We can't just win the battle by waging a secular kind of electoral politics war and think somehow we're going to make uh, America godly again. doesn't work that way. Because godliness has to come issue out of the life of the people. Not just the vote of the people, but the life of the people. Our lives reveal who we really are. So what place, what group of people do you think 
God would be most interested in in directing his message to give us hope for the future. What group of people? It's not hard to figure out. We know what group of people it would be because we know what group of people the whole Bible is directed to. The whole Bible from beginning to end is directed to so-called believers, be they Jew or Gentile. People who profess to be godly, those are the ones that the Bible is directed to. To be, bring correction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished for every good work. In other words, godliness. The Apostle Peter said we should add to our faith godliness. Why does he say add to your faith godliness? Because a mere allegation of faith is incomplete. It's the life that God is after, not mere words. When we think and have convinced ourselves that mere words or some confession is what God is after, we are playing games with ourselves. We have not listened to Jesus. We've not listened and read the word of God from cover to cover. God is after righteousness. Righteousness is the habitation of his throne. That's where God rules. That's why righteousness alone exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. And sin is at war with God. It is not just missing the mark, but it is the failure to agree with God's viewpoint and act accordingly. Pulitzer Prize winner, author Pearl Buck, in a letter to the New York Times back in 1941, made a very interesting statement. I think it's worthy of every America's attention. Here's what she said. When hope is taken away from a people, moral degeneration follows swiftly after. When you look, when we look at the moral degeneration of our country, it is a statement that the people are without hope. Any legitimate hope. And if hope is linked to our heritage, then either the gradual loss of remembrance of that heritage or the intentional revision of that heritage will have, over time, a calamitous effect upon the hope of we the people. So should we be surprised that the word chaos is plastered boldly over a background of the United States Constitution on the front cover of the December 20th issues of both U.S. News and World Report and Newsweek? No. It's a symptom of our time. Now, so historically, when when men and women wanted to memorialize the boundaries of their land, they erected landmarks to preserve the memory and to put the uninformed on notice of their claims. And Americans 
We've done that as a country, not only to protect our land, but also to preserve the memory of the initial and sustaining source of our liberties, our laws, and life itself. And when we get back from this upcoming break, I'm going to share those with you. The memorials upon which our national memories and message are literally engraved in stone. Just like God engraved with his finger the Ten Commandments in stone. Now, before we do that, I want to make available to you my book, Renewing the Soul of America, that I referred to earlier. It is an $18 book, should have been $22, but it's an $18 book, yours for $15, on our website, saveus.org. $15. You want a book of encouragement and of hope? This is it. Renewing the Soul of America. That can only happen one person at a time, beginning with you, with Myra Flores, and with Sidney McLaughlin, and with you, with me, with each one of us, one person at a time. The book, Renewing the Soul of America, on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org, give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check, at $5 for postage and handling. Again, renewing the soul of America. There is a chapter, two-thirds through that book, called Heritage and Hope. Mm, Chapter 17. The heart of our heritage reveals the hope of our healing. You see, it's about a positive answer. On this program, we just don't cry against the darkness. That's one of the reasons why every year, almost every year, we go up to Massachusetts and hold a breakfast for our listeners up there, our longest-time listeners other than the Richmond Virginia. Large number of listeners there. We're going to have one August 13th. I hope you'll make a reservation. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Actually, now when we use the term Sell Church, we probably should be using the term Home Church. Home church, because that was the early church. Did you know that? There were no churches in buildings. 
Churches in buildings other than homes did not happen until the Roman Empire governor, emperor, Charlotte, uh, uh, Constantine, took over. When he normalized Christianity as the religion of the realm, then the pagan basilicas were taken over for Christian worship, and only then did people start lining up in pews or rows to look at the back of one another's heads. So, your worship experience in your church, as you understand it, has its heritage in a pagan Roman basilica. Maybe you didn't know that, but it is true. Because up until that time, people were able to look one another in the eye. They gathered together in homes and broke bread from house to house. Praying, teaching, singing, discipling. That's what they did. I wonder if that's what's going to happen again for those who are true followers of Jesus Christ because of the pressures called persecution and tribulation that are increasingly coming upon Christians worldwide. Just a thought. Now, for those of you who are in Massachusetts and Connecticut, again, we are, again this year, holding a very special breakfast for our listeners on August 13th, Saturday morning, from 8 in the morning till 11.30. These are some of the most precious times that we can experience, really, as we continue on in ministry, Save America Ministries and the Viewpoint Radio Broadcast, connecting with our listeners. It's a time for people to truly identify others of like, genuine faith who are not succumbing to the spirit of the world, who are serious about following the Lord. We need that kind of encouragement. That's part of our heritage going back into, say, the Puritan and the Pilgrim heritage back in Massachusetts. And so we come back to Massachusetts. Massachusetts has long forgotten its heritage in large measure has abandoned it, in fact, has forsaken it. Except for those who are persisting. And that's why they love, love, love to come together for these breakfasts. Here's what you do. You have to make a reservation. You go to our website, saveus.org. Go to the homepage, and on the upper right, there is a button. that says, Viewpoint Broadcast. Excuse me, Viewpoint Breakfast. You click on that, it'll take you, you don't have to figure out what to do, it'll tell you exactly what to do. And I would really urge you to seriously consider bringing a friend, a relative, your kids, (coughs) maybe grandkids, uh, your pastor. Uh, These are amazing times. I just, in, in general, they're amazing times, but the breakfast times are amazing times. Don't lose out on this opportunity. These kinds of opportunities are very rare these days. Both I and my wife are going to be speaking, and uh, 
We'll be bringing all of our books and materials, including the most recent one that will have just come out called Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. It'll have just come out. You're not going to want to miss that one. Okay. Again, saveus.org. That's the website. Now, if you've got a problem with uh, doing it via a website, you can give us a call. 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or you can write a check. $29, cost of the breakfast, and send it to Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. And mark on your check or some note that it's for the breakfast. Okay, here we go. We are going to take a look at some of the memorials, the National Memorials, Memories, and messages engraved in stone so that we would not forget our spiritual DNA. Not our political DNA, our spiritual DNA. It is the spiritual DNA that is engraved in stone on our monuments. So here we go. In the Capitol building, from Psalm 16, verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Wow. If we just put that into practice, friends, as Christians, we would be in a long way toward making America godly again. But we have a problem with trust. You know how I know that we have a problem with trust? Because we hate the word obey. It's the most hated word in the church today. You cannot say, I trust God and diss his word. You can't do it. They're opposites. Any more than you can say that Congress is going to pass a bill to fight inflation when in fact in the bill are the very seeds of creating more inflation. You don't like it in the political world. Why do we accept this nonsense in the spiritual world? Just asking. That's in the Capitol building. How about the Supreme Court? These words that are inscribed in the Supreme Court over the head of the Chief Justice are so despised by the Democrat Party that they have conspired together in many different ways to try to find a way to get rid of those words or to cover them up. So what are those words? The Jews call them the Ten Words. Actually, most of us call it the Ten Commandments. They're inscribed over the head of the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the country. Hmm. How about the Library of Congress? That should bring back memories, shouldn't it? Micah 6.8. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? In my law office, on the wall, 
For 20 years, I had a beautiful plaque with those words from Micah 6.8. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Did you know that those words were the theme of the model of Christian charity that was penned by attorney John Winthrop before he landed four boatloads of Puritans there at Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1630? That was the theme. You talk about our DNA. The Lincoln Memorial. As was said 3,000 years ago, so it must still be said, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Judgments? Today we say, oh, our God is just a loving God, and he, he's not going to judge anybody. He's just... Oprah Winfrey made a statement when she went to Mr. Smiley's church down there in Houston, and uh, she came away and said, it was so nice. Everything was positive. Everything was lovely. I don't want to go to church and have somebody make me feel like I'm under judgment really that's what the bible does oh you don't like that right so your viewpoint is different than god's how are we going to make america godly again unless we realize and agree that he's going to judge the nation in righteousness and the people with his truth (coughs) how about the jefferson memorial Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed the conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? Jefferson went on to say, Indeed, I tremble when I consider that God is just and his justice cannot sleep forever. You know, if we could just restore the idea, the concept that God is true, He is just. He is righteous. He is holy. He is separate from us as human beings. And he has a right to give us instructions as to how he expects us to live. If we have any hope of preserving us a nation, that is. And in the congressional building, in God we trust. So, question. The God who gave us liberty declared, remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. So, in removing the landmarks, does that not erase the memory and memorials that declare the fixed points in our moral imagination as a people? For two generations, in fact, three generations now, the ancient landmarks have been selectively removed from right before our eyes and consequently from our minds and hearts. It's unbelievable. A minority of loud and angry men and women rebelling against the God who has made and preserved us a nation have co-opted our courts, usurped the ministry of legitimate government to defy the very laws of nature and of nature's God, to strip away all remembrance of God's rule, reign or authority among we the people, right? 
and the consequences have been nothing short of devastating. It's obvious. Rebellion is the ultimate affront to the God in his wisdom who determined that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Rebellion against God's authority by removing these ancient landmarks has led to rot in America's homes and in her streets and in our churches. So, because the ancient landmarks are a summary expression of our heritage, friends, as the American people, removal of the landmarks, both actually and figuratively, erases our true heritage. And as went our heritage, so went our hope. And so we ask ourselves, if the landmarks are removed, can they be restored? That's really what Maya Flores is saying. I'm, I ran to make America godly again. How? We have to restore the ancient landmarks. We must be firmly convinced of how far this process has gone in changing the so-called unchangeable and what efforts have been made to restore historical memory. Now, I believe that the Holy Spirit has led me to do a series of programs, one a week for the next several weeks, to talk about our hope. What will it take? What does it take? Because there is no hope unless you have hope. And hope makes not a shame, but we have to have the right hope. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and what? Righteousness. Not just Jesus' blood. Righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, which is consistent with righteousness, because righteousness is his throne. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint today. Get a copy of the book, Renewing the Soul of America. $15 and put the $18 book in your hands on our website, saveus.org. Become a partner, friends. This is serious business. Do you agree? Then join with us. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.